This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. From baseball's top personalities. The great Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the all-star. Matt Chapman with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear. If you make your way down here, I, I might be able to make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Time now for another edition of A's Unfiltered. We're going to hear from Dallas Braden, Shooty Babbitt, Mike Farron, and Bob Nightingale. But we had to have Dallas on for the reopening. Love having the left-hander on. What is up, Dallas? We got a little reopening today. Yeah, welcome back, boys. Good to see you down here on the dirt. Isn't that crazy? I love it. I love every minute of it. That smiling face of Uncle Towdy as soon as I came out of the tunnel. Yes. You know, we haven't been on the field since 2019. Man, been too long. Because they didn't allow us. ESPN wouldn't allow us for the wild card game. We had to be in Championship Plaza. So, like, walking down here, it was like, how do I get back on the field? Right. How do I? And, of course, we've been watching you. You've been down here. Uh, but for us, finally some normalcy getting back here on A's Cast Live. Well, I tell you what, man. Being, being down where I sit and having the opportunity to sit there in diamond level before making the move back to my original spot down there, you're around the fans, and that energy that we were starved of from the beginning of the 2020, whatever you want to call it, type season, you just didn't have that. So to show up to the ballpark, see fans waiting to get into the ballpark, see fans milling about, hearing them cheering for their – like there's that energy and the smell of the ballpark that's been missed. It's here now. It's back. When, when you look back on 2020 – because none of us were here. We had our cardboard cutout somewhere, yeah. but we weren't here. What was that like where you're hearing conversations? Next thing you know, Zach Grinky's sitting next to the cardboard cutouts. I mean, y- you hear everything. I mean, for someone who has been out there in front of packed crowds, what was that season like? Well, honestly, consuming the game the way I do now, when you think about going home and playing a soft track and just – letting the day kind of melt away. The sounds of the game, the sounds of baseball are harmonious to me. And so the crack of the bat, the thud of the glove, the snap of the glove, there's just the the cleat sound, dirt shuffling. Like you could hear all of that. And so I think for the first time in a long time, I was tasting baseball again. You know, it's on my tongue because I didn't have the noise and the in-house PA and all the things that distract you from just sort of being rocked into love with the game of baseball, well, they were they were almost turned up full tilt. So it was a very different way to take it in, but that's why having the fans back reminds you of what really brings energy to the game. You know, when I, I think about this American League, you know, because, you know, the, A's, the A's lose a few games. Next you know, the A's clubhouse show, everybody's in panic mode. Right. But then all of a sudden – 
Here you have the Houston Astros split a four-game series in Detroit, get swept at home by the Orioles. I think the bottom line, you tell me, I think you got a bunch of teams that are incomplete, and it's anybody's game in the American League. I think that's a great assessment, Tony. I think that word incomplete is a great assessment as well because you can see some holes, you can see some areas that need support, and I think when you go across the board, that's true. And what we've seen right now is teams sort of, I don't want to say scramble because it's still the first half, but they've really kind of tried to figure out a way to piece things together, pulling from different areas. I like to use the phrase plug and play because we've seen Bob Melvin plug and play for so long and just do so good at it. But that's why I think the way that divisions have shaped up are where they're at right now because there is a need to to, to, to reestablish and create some more resources for yourself to compete through the second half. Whether this is fair or not, it's kind of like dating back to the, the steroid era. If you're a pitcher now who is not pitching well and certain things like spin rates have changed, mm. you're going to get lumped into, I like to call them the, the glue guys. Sure. We're using some type of glue. Sure. Um, is that fair or not? Um, I'll, I'll tell you this. For the fans that I always try to educate on this, when they're like, well, how do we tell? Who do we know? What guy? Can we? That information is public and it's accessible. Baseballsavant.com will give you a lot of answers to a lot of the questions you have. And it might be tough to navigate at first, but I promise you, spend the time to dive in because anytime that question pops up, you can, boom, go and get that answer for you. So I think it's fair to an extent. We're going to have to see how guys bounce back because what you're going to find are guys that have not been able to adjust and guys that have said, you know what, fair is fair. We're going to make that adjustment. So if you try to pinpoint them right now, you might be identifying a guy who is used. But I would say let's give it a while to see just how many guys are paying attention to trying to adjust and get out of having to use that stuff. You know, I'm such a dinosaur that people have asked, hey, when you were pitching in college, did you use? I'm like, use? You kidding me? How many games did we play in college? There wasn't even a rosin bag on the mound, <laughs> let alone using something like spider tack, right? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I, I didn't have, I mean, I was obviously, you're, you're aware of what these things are used for, but look, today, that education and that exposure, though, Townie, like, you, you'd be hard-pressed, and you're lying to yourself, if you think that kids in travel ball aren't trying to use spider tack because they've heard it talked about in the last month well i can tell you the only and i hate to say this and i've quit uh but all i cared about was my glove and my can of copy sure that's all i cared about i uh, was at sunscreen what uh, do you mean sunscreen to the ballpark never even thought of it yeah well that's hey i tell you that's why you, you stick around <laughs> this game you stick around some salty vets and they can open your eyes to some things that you had no idea about like what what do you mean we got to get rosin from this ball club? Their, their rosin's just better than everybody else's rosin? Okay, all right. Let yeah. me pay attention to that. You know the one thing that I love about what, what we're doing here on, on A's Cast and A's Cast Live, and we thank all of our fans, we've passed 3 million downloads. Love we, that. We just started in 2019. Your podcast is killing it. It just goes to show that the traditional media is not what it used to be, and this is the new way to do it. This is absolutely the new way to go about it. You can go, and I've said this for the last five, six years, almost a decade it feels like, you can go and get the information you're after from the place you desire these days. And it's not necessarily a matter of competing. It's understanding there's an alternative for people who don't want to consume 
the product a certain way. They maybe want to consume it a little differently. So they have A's Cast Live that they can tap into. They don't have to wait until Correct. 640 to get that first pitch. They can download you right now, get your thoughts on it right now. They don't have to wait. And you're absolutely right. Being able to to be a menu item for people that's available with regularity is absolutely the new way to grow. You know, I miss watching you pitch. I know you miss pitching. Sure, sure. But I tell you what, Ty, I've said, I, I told you this. When the arm doesn't work, it becomes a heck of a lot easier <laughs> to make peace with how things go, right? I've told you this plenty of times. I got a hard time yawning and stretching in the morning without tearing something. So I'm, I, I'm okay. I think this year we're going to get down to fantasy camp. I would love to have you. We would absolutely love right? to have you. Do this you. show at Fantasy Camp. There, I mean, cool you would, would knock it. You would knock it out of the park. And you want to talk about content, my friend? It's it's an all day affair of watching people ten times worse than you ever were try to go out there and relive it. And the the love that they have for the game. That's what you walk away just drenched in every single day. Them blood and sweat. Me. I'm drenched in the love they have for the game, and we get to see that unfold over the course of a week, week plus. Folks are living out their dreams, and they're doing it. I mean, we're going to have Eric Chavez out there again. Awesome. How great is that? Yeah. A stalwart at third base, the six-time gold glove phenom, is going to be back in fantasy camp dropping his knowledge and sharing stories, and it's the same coaches that have been there all, I mean, the whole way through. You know Mac Babbitt's going to be there, myself. You've got Campy, who's rolling. Stu's rolling. Carney's coming back. Greatness. Kangaroo Court's going to be in full effect. And then the party at night. You know it, baby. <laughs> you hey, know thanks it. for stopping by. It anytime, a lot. anytime. Townie, Cody, good to see you, boys. And what you do on the broadcast is absolutely spectacular. We love you, brother. And then fellow broadcaster on NBC Sports California and one of the top scouts in the game, here's Shooty Babbitt. Is it true, Commander Cody, we have finally been able to connect with Shooty Babbitt? He has left the bushes, and he's back here in Oakland ready to rock. Shooty, how are you? County, I am doing fantastic. If you just pay attention to the news and see how difficult travel is for a lot of people, and um, thank goodness uh, I have not one thing to complain about. I got a chance to go see some good baseball, uh, fortify a whole lot of – um, work that we've been putting in and man it, it's just good it's a great time of the year uh, guys cleats are broken the leather's popping on the glove um, and baseball is in full effect right now and we know talking to David Force that he is starting to engage in conversations with other organizations you are out in the bushes uh, tell us what this time of the year is like to where you kind of have an idea who your partners, who the buyers, who the sellers are, and it's like your job to go out and kind of look at other organizations and and report back saying guys you like and guys you don't like, correct? Well, typically the season for the minor league started eight, April 1st, but this year was pushed back to May 1st um, because of the things that have happened um, in the pandemic. But when they said play ball May 1st, you know, we were all in four-point stands and we were ready to charge the line. Uh, and, and that's what we've been doing. Uh, spring training, a lot of people uh, do a lot of different things during those times. A lot of times relationships and uh, conversations are built in those type of arenas. You never know where it might take place. But identification, understanding rosters, understanding where teams' directions going at that point matters a lot right now because if you paid attention to the type of fruit that's on their tree, 
you will know what is right to be picked right now. And I think it all comes from how you plow in the garden and how you water and how you get it ready and just be ready to pick your fruit because you know what the right ones are. I think uh, how much baseball you have seen over the years. Did you notice any rust on some of these players who essentially didn't play for almost a year and a half? I think that because we're in uncharted waters, uh, a lot of things you have to base um, is their body of work, if they have a history. If we're talking about a young player, now a kid that was probably 23, you may have to pay a little more attention and give him a mulligan for a year. It's kind of like a high school kid, if you will, for me, to, or a college kid that's getting a chance to go back and, and, and play as that age would, would have allowed them if they were that age at this time. So um, I, I just think you have to pay attention to detail. I think work ethic. I think uh, history. I think relationships. I think numbers. I think uh, it's so many things going to play. I mean, just scout people. You see people, they see in the sense, oh, man, I wish I had your do- job. Um, let me tell you something. I thank God every day for the job that I have. But don't think that I'm just sitting up here working on my tan and see how chocolatey I can look at the end of the day. <laughs> I'm sitting up here paying attention to everything that's going on around me because the best scouts, in my opinion, have great ears and great eyes. And as long as you can do that as a scout, there's a lot to be learned. Just, you know, in the end, how great is it to see these young men back doing what they do? It's, it's, it's like they got their career taken away from them. And when, when you lose it for a year and a half – it's got to be so tough because so many of these guys, they weren't at the alternate site. So they had to figure out a way to stay in shape, a way to keep working out together. Just speak to just how great it was traveling around the country and seeing these young men getting their careers back. John, you know, <clears throat> I'm a baseball man. So, uh, and if anybody disagrees, you know, I arm wrestle you about it. I mean, that's just, that, that's, I've been doing this all my life and I've been so blessed to be able to, to live my entire life doing something that I like to do. When I look at these young men, I think about back in the day when during the off season, we had to work at the mall. We had to do whatever we had to do to make ends meet until the season came the next time. Uh, it's taken away from you at that time. And the one thing that you have to do is everything you possibly can to get ready because you know the opportunity is going to present itself in the next season. Everything that happens bad is not, always bad there's a lot of good that could come out of it on um, these young men um, who had the benefit of having a lot of things that a lot of guys did not have to their um, advantage to get them that opportunity no matter who you were whatever your social status your skill set whatever your accomplishments were it was taken away from everybody on this earth and if you didn't take notice of what you had and what you would cherish if you got another opportunity to have that's what I saw on the faces of those young kids out there working, having a great time, the camaraderie. You see guys on the field all the time, man. It's, uh, it, it, it was good to see for sure. You know, I think of all the great young talent that we're seeing in baseball, just tremendous athletes. Are you seeing a lot of that when you're out there scouting in the minor leagues, some just unbelievable athletes? You know, County. I can't sit up here and say that I'm seeing incredible athletes because when you do, when you see a C.J. Abrams, who was a number one draft pick for the San Diego Padres, and you watch the things that he do, because it all depends on what you consider an incredible athlete is. 
when I sit there, and it was an old great scout that worked for the A's, the uh, Cardinals, he's a band scout for a long time. His son works for the A's now. Uh, and he would always say, he says, Shooty, and his name was Joe Sparks. He would say, Shooty, those good players, those great players, those guys that have a chance to be really good, they make you say, wow. And when you see those guys, when you see that swing, when you see that great body, when you see those guys can slow the game down at an early age, normally you see two or three of those guys possibly on a ball club. But the game is not just flooded with those kind of players. That's why it's so great when a ball club drafts a kid, gets an opportunity to develop this guy around the game. No, everybody on the team can't be stars. We need the games to be played. They need to be competitive. These are the guys that give those guys a chance to be great because go up a level each year, have success, get your game tested against age, more competitive skill. And then when you get there, you know you belong there. So when you get them, when you get the Chapmans of the world, when you get the Olsons of the world, when you develop these guys in your system and they make it, man, they're special. There's a lot that goes in it. So you got to sign a thousand of them to get a great one, man. And, you know, that's not always the answer. So uh, I, I have nothing but respect for the people that work in the game and do everything that they do to try to develop these kids, to try to acquire these guys because, man, you know, if it was just a no-brainer, you know, the Anaheim Angels wouldn't have got Mike Trout. The Oakland A's wouldn't have uh, got a Ricky Henderson. I mean, because it's a lot that goes in it, bro. So, um, but to answer your question in short, I've seen a few, uh, but not those great athletes that you're talking about. You know, when I, when I think about our post-game show and people call up and go, oh, the A's need to get pitching. Well, yeah, everybody needs pitching at this time of the year. It's not as easy as you think. Just talk about, you know, relievers are big keys at the deadline, no question. But every, every everybody, all the buyers pretty much want the same thing. Yeah, and, you know, I have my, <clears throat> excuse me, my own opinion uh, on the pitching side of things and how the game is evolving with pitchers and stuff right now, and I think it's great. Uh, but – when you live in, in an era right now when we're in a relievers uh, type of world, when pitchers commonly don't go five innings, and when they do, I mean, it's like almost they're getting tackled when they get to the dugout because it's like this great achievement. So the strain on the bullpen is so bad, and typically guys that are in the bullpen is because they cannot start because no one has guys sitting in the bullpen that could be starting for that club. So typically, that guy has command issues. He doesn't have uh, a, a whole repertoire of pitches, or he can't pitch. He's more or less a thrower. And typically, these guys just throw their arms out. So you know what's happening right now? All of that throwing and everything and not being able to uh, do the things that they've been able to do with the baseball on a throwing side of it, County. It's like a curveball. Uh, it's been the most incredible conversation I've had with so many pitchers. I'm a hitter to the bone. I tell Stu all the time, I just started liking you, brother. So (laughs) (laughs) you guys guys are so smart. Let me ask you something. Can can you teach a guy how to throw a curveball? Of course. And they'll say, a lot of them will say, yeah. I said, well, how come more of them don't throw it? 
And they said, well, it's because they can't. No, 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 no. I always felt that you were born with the ability to grip that baseball and it was built in your wrist and to be able to spin the baseball. You have to be able to spin and it's a natural gift. We weren't all supposed to be born the same to be able to do all the same things. That's what makes the game of baseball so great in other sports as well. So now God's going to have to learn how to pitch, man. You, you, you can't overpower power life. Sooner or later, you're going to come up short. <laughs> amazing well yeah i mean i mean at this level everybody's looking for guys that are all very similar where they're all big guys coming to that bullpen shooting and they're all throwing 100 miles an hour well but guess what because of the emphasis on bullpen pitching and uh, developing guys to throw one and two innings there will always be a conglomeration of them all over the place now the the challenge of organizations of finding guys that were starters, guys that had success somewhere else that may go to another uh, place, guys that are pitching well at the AAA level that you could ride that wave until that wave flattened out. So it's um, creativity, understanding what's out there, knowing rosters and players is more important than anything right now because, like you said, everybody's looking for the same thing, Tony. Um, how much homework and how much you know these guys and how much dreaming can you make come true right now is going to be key. Well, and, and let's end on this because I try and tell people that so many of these guys are not being given an opportunity to ha- have a chance to go deep in games down in the minor leagues. So when you see like a, a hot shot prospect and he's starting every five days, talk about the limit that is on them. They're not allowed to go deep into games. Well, I think the special ones um, do because what happens, uh, those guys that pitch every fifth day, and you know that, uh, they're not uh, high-volume innings. They're not high-pitch at bats. These guys go out there, get their work in. They know how to pitch the contact. They know when to execute their secondary. They have a feel for pitching. They have an idea of how to go out and execute a game plan, and they're special. So when you start talking about the – maximization on their arm, uh, you, you don't have to worry about that. That's what makes those guys so special. And, I, I, you know, I am what I am. And I was rooted, you know, with the Atlanta Braves as a scout. And I was so blessed to come up as a scout watching Glavin, Maddox, and Smoltz. And I knew you've probably heard me say that a zillion times. But for me, that's the gospel. And I watched three guys just carve guys up right into the Hall of Fame until one guy said, okay, I'll take mine down to the bullpen to become a Hall of Fame closer as well. So if I'm going to mirror myself after something that is great and can create longevity, I don't know why they're not those type of videos and that type of talk all over baseball because as far as I know, Tony, back in the day, if you pitch down in the strike zone, a hitter can't do anything but hit the ball on the ground or in the hole. But if you miss up in the zone, that was a mistake, and you would pay the price. Establish a reasonable strike zone. Make pitchers pitch reasonably in the zone. If they execute a pitch, I don't care who you are. As far as certain pitches, you cannot do it. So that brings trickeration. That brings creativity. That brings activity. And that brings more curiosity in the game and more excitement. So until you get these guys out the stretch, 
and every pitch that they throw, one, two, three, let me show you the ball to you. I mean, come on, man. Hey, like, really? Hey, Mark DeRosa recently said on MLB Network when he was playing with the Braves, he said when you would see Leo Mazzoni and he's coming back from the bullpen with either Maddox, Glavin, or Smoltz, and they'd have a towel around around their shoulder. He's like, he's like, man, this is the big leagues. You know when you were going out to battle and you had one of those guys, you're like, it doesn't get any better than this. Yeah, I mean, this is the show when, when you're ready to prepare to go to battle with like a Greg Maddox or, or a John Smoltz. Bottom line, man. I mean, just true winners. Um, and it's something that you just love to watch. I mean, you're talking about poetry in motion. Okay, people gave Eric Gregg a tough time about his horrendous strike zone, uh, rightfully so. But you know what? He established himself to be bad, and you know what Tom Glavitt did? Pitched to that bad umpire strike zone. And it was just, just the way you do it. So um, that's how the game used to be. Uh, I, I, I know it's different now, but so many changes have changed things. And if it's, if it's for the better, I'm all for it. But you tell me. You know, if what what is what has changed pitching so much that's made it better than what it was, man? I, I just I don't know, bro. It, 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 it. So we are in a reliever um, game right now, and look here, it's last man standing, bro. Hey, uh, <laughs> when, when are we gonna see you on TV? Uh, Friday. Can't wait. Can't wait to see <laughs> those suits. Hey, buddy, it's always great to have you on the program. Can't wait to see you tonight. County, always an honor to be on, man. Go. Let's go, Oakland. We always love having our buddy Mike Farron on from Sirius XM MLB channel and also a broadcaster for the Arizona Diamondbacks. A lot of topics to get into with Mike. Mike, how are you? County, I'm great. It is good to be with you, as always. We need bullpen help. Can you make that happen? <laughs> what do you want? What can I get you? I need a couple right Who can I get you? I need a couple right handers that throw a hundred miles an hour. Whew, that's a little bit of a stiffer test trying to find the hundred mile an hour guys that might be available. Let's see. If the Phillies slip, um maybe it would cost a lot because he's controllable, but Connor Brogdon been up and down a little bit. I don't know. It's tough to find the 100-mile-an-hour guys. It's relatively easy to find bullpen help, I think. Okay, I'll, dro- yeah, I'll, I'll drop I'll I'll drop down to 96, 97. <laughs> There's a lot of guys that will throw 92 who will be available. Does that interest <laughs> you at all? No, we got those guys. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think like, – you know, the thing is, is that the bullpen help, for me, with the, with the, the A's – more of it is from a depth standpoint, I think. Um, you know, especially with you – know, it certainly sounded like the last time I tried to Bob Melvin that they were pretty optimistic about Trevor Rosenthal coming back and contributing before the end of the year. They'd be your guy that theoretically could throw 100, right? So that would help. Um, so I think certainly that's something that's easy for them to add. I do think that there's actually some offensive depth issues with the team that, that they could address. And that, to me, would be a more glaring concern – um, that not necessarily I should say it's a huge worry, but I think to me it would be a bigger deal than you know trying to get a high-end reliever more than getting somebody that can uh, help. Is it safe to say that the bottom line in the American League, 
nobody's a complete team. When you look up and down, where the you know the White Sox have slipped a little, a little bit lately, mm-hmm. Boston's come back as Tampa's fallen a little bit. Everybody's panicking in New York, obviously. But it just seems like even the Astros have struggled lately uh, and just lost two straight at home to Baltimore. Is it just safe to say there's not a complete team in the American League? Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a great point, and I think it's absolutely true. Houston might be the closest, but you know, like their bullpen concerns to me are more significant than like what the A's have. Um, so that's an issue. You know, the White Sox have some serious offensive issues with three regulars that are on the injured list, and while Luis Robert and 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 Eloy Jimenez are both playing, you know, at the complex now and being able to get back into to some semblance of game action. They're still a ways away, and they're going to be without Nick Madrigal the, the entirety of the, the rest of the season. So there are issues there. Their bullpen hasn't been great. Um, you know, I think that there are some questions about offensive consistency with the Rays, although they certainly have a ton of pitching depth. The Red Sox have Red Sox have some bullpen issues and a fifth starter issue, although Chris Sale may alleviate some of that. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, there's nobody that's a complete team. It is wide open in the sense that you can if you can get to the tournament you're in good shape but there's really only what six or seven teams that you feel like have a very good chance of getting to the tournament you know i think in the end one of those east teams that's in third or fourth either the blue jays or the yankees by the time we get to you know july 25th is probably going to be too far outside of the 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 wild card race you know, to, to really be within shouting distance and if that's the case, then you're really dealing with like four teams for two spots in a lot of respects, or you know three spots if you want to consider you know, the A's and the Astros. I think will be fairly close. So that that to me is a is kind of one of the things that I, I look at with this too is that there's there are lines of delineation in there, but you're right that nobody is perfect. You know, guys coming back from Tommy John, we've seen it so much, and the guy that we got going tonight, Chris Bassett. These guys have mm-hmm. setbacks, and then they start to worry. It's just, it's not as easy as, hey, have the surgery, get a new arm. But you bring up Chris Sale. If Chris Sale is able to come back and be in that rotation and be somewhat like Chris Sale, wow, that that is huge for the Boston Red Sox. Well, yeah, because the rotation has been, you know, I don't want to say great, but it's been pretty good. It's been middle of the pack. Their bullpen has actually been very good this year. Um, statistically, although I, I think they could still use a little bit of help there. But but they're just kind of like a middle-of-the-path rotation with a glaring hole in the fifth spot because Garrett Richards hasn't pitched well. And so, like, that to me is just, even if it's not, you know, vintage Chris Sale, if it's pretty good Chris Sale, I think it's a huge upgrade for that spot. And that's something to keep in mind, too, is, and, and I think this applies to every team, every fan wants that big move that's going to really get you jazzed about the pennant race. But incremental improvements can help a lot. And even if it's just a depth move, you know, one of my favorites is I covered the 2005 White Sox, and they they were kind of scuffling in the second half after a fast start. And that team, the only move that they made of the the deadline was acquiring Jeff Blubb in a trade, right? Blummer. They ended up winning the division. They ended up winning the World Series. Blum, there's a statue of him now outside. <laughs> <laughs> Guaranteed Ray Morgan Field for the, the home run he hit in the 14th inning of Game 3 of that World Series. But but I think it just kind of speaks to 
as much as we want to see the sexiest move, just making your roster better and deeper, I think is really important for any of those contending teams. Yeah, I mean, it's at this time of the year, I mean, you like a flashy position player, but what you really need is bullpen help because starters don't go deep in the postseason. But the problem is everybody wants the same thing. So then it becomes what what kind of market are we going to have? Is there going to be more sellers or are there going to be more buyers? I think that there are going to be more sellers than buyers this year. I think that's the way it's lining up. You know, really the only team that has been aggressively taking calls has probably been the Diamondbacks to this point. I think Pittsburgh joins that pretty quickly because they have two really intriguing guys in Adam Frazier, who's having a terrific year as their second baseman, and Richard Rodriguez, who is a pretty good bullpen arm and a guy who throws hard and might fit that mold of the guys you were talking about. So I think those are the teams that are probably most likely to move players quicker. Um, But I do think that there are a lot of other teams that are going to be in the mix in those discussions as well. And there just aren't that many teams in the end that are going to be competing for postseason berths. So I guess that makes it a little bit more of a buyer's market in that sense. And maybe it makes sense for some buyer to try and jump the, the rest of the field. And generally that team's been the A's, right? Like there's plenty of times that the A's have been the first ones out of the chute to make a move. And, you know, it's always real quiet. They do a good job of keeping things close to the vest. I'd love to see them be the first one out of the shoot again. So this is a, as you know, it's a good enough team to win. They need some reinforcements in some spots, and maybe it's not quite as deep in terms of, like, overall high-end talent as it was a year ago. But it's a team that has a chance to not just go to the playoffs, but potentially the World Series. Well, speaking of our Diamondbacks, as Tori Lovello, former Oakland A, we've been living and dying with, with, with all of these losses on the road. But Commander Cody is a little bit upset. Cody, um, will you tell Mr. Farron how upset you are? I mean, we, we, we send you a text on congratulations that the, the, the losing streak's over and you, you, you ghost us. I mean, we are popping champagne. I did. Yeah, I did. I ghosted you. Because there's nothing like being congratulated on having your team snap a 24-game losing streak. <laughs> that was, I mean, ha- I mean, what, what? I don't know what that. What was it you like? You thought it was rough. You didn't have to live it. <laughs> <laughs> after every single game, I mean, if I was coming on after those games, I'd be. I, I mean, you'd have to talk me off the ledge. Let, let me give you. This is this is the thing that's maybe the most incredible about this. They just wrapped up a three and twenty-four June, right? Which is the worst month in the history of baseball, I think, regardless of what month it is. At one point, they won a game against Washington uh, homestand in May and put them at 18-22, and 22, which is a great record. And, you know, they started their first 28 games over 500, but you're a quarter away through the season, and you're like, well, you know, you're not without hope at four games under, right? They've won four games since then. And it's really been remarkable because this team, from a talent level, should not be this bad. But for whatever reason, it's something different every night. One night it's the starting pitching, the next night it's the offense, the next night it's the defense, the next night it's the base running. It's just they've never been able to sync up consistently. A good starting pitching with a good offensive performance, um, you know, a good defensive performance, everything that they need to win a game. And it, it's it's been really tough because of that, because it's just like you feel like the you're 
you're flipping heads or, or tails, and it keeps coming up tails every single time. Like, you just cannot get past it. It's, it's unbelievable what, what has happened through the first 82 games this year. It's just a losses. It's remarkable. Well, and we, you know, we Tori always comes on with us. He always uh, gets on Google Meets with us. Uh, he's the only manager that does that. He's become a friend of the program. He is, I mean, he's a good manager. I, I hope he's not on the hot seat because, and I know with all the losing, but I, I think he's a really good manager. And I think Arizona, if they were to part ways with him, they would not be better for it. I agree with you. I am a I am a big Tori Lovello fan, and and a lot of it is because I just think he's he's exactly the kind of person that you want to work for, right? Like he's the kind of person you want to have as your boss. He has a high level of care about the people that he is around. Um, he you know he, he expects you to perform well, um, and he has expectations for you. And he's not afraid to call you out if you don't meet those. But I think he really is, you know, he wants that kind of effort and, and expects the effort. And listen, effort hasn't been the issue with the team that they have been trying. It's not like they've been getting blown out on a nightly basis. It's a lot of one-run, two-run losses, too. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think there are a couple things that, that just factor into their long-term with him. One, he's not under contract beyond this year, which makes it a little bit difficult. Two, he's got an extremely close relationship with Mike Hayden, the general manager. They are close friends, you know, off the field as well. And so I think that's a real positive for him in it. But it, it's just been, like I, you know, I've seen him wear it more this year than in any previous year. And that, that really pains me because I care about Tori. Um, and so, like, it's just, it's rough to watch him go through it. And really, it's rough to watch players go through it. I mean, listen, kind of, you know, voter, right? Like, yeah. even votes, like, one of everybody's favorite people, right? And just like talking to him about it, and like just like he's like, listen, it's not like we haven't en- don't have energy, and we're not trying. He's like, it's just incredible that it keeps happening. He's like, there's no way that this should be going on, and they, these guys are bringing energy and, and effort every night, and it's just not you know the execution isn't there, and you know maybe to some degree the talent level isn't there. So the Dodgers are starting to put it together, obviously, and their bullpen's been – I mean, once their bullpen starts rolling, is this the time you think the Dodgers track down the Giants? Um, that's a good question. So one thing that I've been kind of watching with the Dodgers that I think is interesting, I, I think they have some, some questions about the depth of their rotation, um, but they haven't really had multiple guys out at one time, right, where they've been tested. I do think – one of the things that tests them is their position player depth. You know, Seager is out and not back yet, and they've had they've had a number of injuries through there, and they don't have guys like Jock Peterson and Kike Hernandez who they had a season ago, you know, or for years before that. And so they're a little thinner in that regard. So I kind of keep waiting for them to take control of the division and feel like they're, you know, they're the team that should take control of the division. But I'm not entirely sure it's going to happen. And I'll tell you what, you know, I'm going to see the Giants again this weekend. This will be the third time I've had a chance to see them. I like their team. Like, I think, I think they have some bullpen issues for sure. But it's a really good rotation. And I think Gabe Kapler has evolved significantly as a manager in his ability to deploy his offensive players in a manner that puts them in the best position to succeed. And it seems like they have... You know, there are some teams where you always feel like you're either a left-handed or right-handed bat short, just kind of depending on the situation. 
And to me, they always seem like they have a team that has the right guy to come up in the biggest spot that gives them the best advantage. And, and I don't think that's just luck. I think some of that is, is the construction of the roster. And I just think that they're, I think they're a better team than people realize. And they're going to be in that mix with L.A. and San Diego to the end. Well, my favorite show, The Power Alley on XM89. You can hear Mike Farron and Jim Duquette. Uh, last question, did Jim ever get, now that Steve Cohen, the rich guy owning the Mets, did he ever get his Gucci loafers that he was once promised by the New York Mets? Oh, no, there's no chance because the Wilpons weren't going to pay up. <laughs> that was one of the best stories. Like, hey, wait a minute, Steve Phillips got the Gucci loafers. Why don't I get the Gucci loafers? Yeah, yeah, he's still waiting on them. He's going <laughs> to wait forever on those Gucci loafers. Well, and I, then, like, he's, I can see him, like, getting knockouts, knockoffs, you know what I mean? Like, and showing up at the All-Star game wearing these and being just like an embarrassment for all of them. <laughs> That would be incredible. Well, we can't wait to see you, buddy. Hopefully it will be soon. Knock on wood, man. Miss you. Be well, my friend. You too. And we'll end with one of the top columnists in Major League Baseball, Bob Nightingale from the USA Today. He recently talked to ex-player David Segui, and they're talking about spider tack and the gooey stuff is worse than steroids. I don't know if I'm buying it. Here's Bob Nightingale. Well, now joining us here on A's Cast Live, he's one of one of our all-time favorites uh, with the A's and covering the athletics and Major League Baseball for the USA Today. Bob Nightingale is with us. Bob, how is life treating you? Yeah, doing great. Thanks, Chris. What is it like for you? to be back out on the road. I know you recently were just down in San Diego. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been nice. I mean, the, uh, the, the airport, airports are just absolutely packed. Uh, it's like everybody's making up for lost time now and wanting to uh, have, have fun again. <laughs> but it's, it's been unbelievable. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Were you down there for uh, Padres-Dodgers? I was, yeah, all, all three of those games, yep. Do you put that up there right now as the top rivalry in baseball? Well, I, I don't just because it's been so one-sided, you know, over over the years. I mean, Padres have never won a World Series. You know, the you know, Dodgers eight straight division titles. Uh, so not yet. It's got a chance. You know, I'm, I'm not saying it's better than Dodger Giants. You know, that, you know that's such a historic, historic thing, particularly, uh, you know, Yankees, Red Sox, Cubs, Cardinals. I don't put it quite there yet but it's, it's the newest thing so it's, it's fun to, it's fun to see well yeah i would agree i mean you weren't you're not gonna match the history of all these other teams especially teams that have been around forever like cardinals cubs and you mentioned yankees and red sox dodger giants but as of right now where we are when you talk about the action in the ballpark and like Fernando Tatis, and now they're wearing the chain, the big chain with the. Uh, I mean, you got a lot going on in that rival. It, it, it's become really fun. It's like so modern day baseball of let the kids play. Yeah, I mean, uh, they love, a lot of swagger, particularly you know you talk about you know Machado, Tatis, uh, a lot of young players. Uh, they show a lot of emotion, and of course, you know, cool ballpark, you know, right. You know, right downtown, but you know, Timmins from the airport, uh, all the uh, new condos going up there. So it is fun, and I think it's a. Uh, and these guys, uh, you know, you know, like the one thing about the San Francisco uh, Dodger rivalry is that people in uh, you know 
people in LA, and they like, they like San Francisco. People in LA like San Diego. And as much as people in San Francisco don't like the LA, they're just sheer, sheer hatred between the people that live in San Diego toward LA. I mean, they won't even buy LA products. They want nothing to do with the city. They just, they just they despise them. So that makes the rivalry good too. Well, that you know, that's a funny thing about big city versus little city when you talk. And I'm not saying St. Louis is a little city, but every year we'll go over to Sloan Park for the Cubs in spring training. And I remember I was in an Uber, and outside they're selling T-shirts, and they're just ripping St. Louis like they're just a bunch of hicks. And that, whether either one is good or either one is bad, there truly is just hatred between the Cardinals and the Cubs. There, you know, there really is. It's only like a uh, about a four-and-a-half-hour train ride away. Uh, I think people in St. Louis used to, uh, you know, mock the Cubs because they can run win. It was just a, a fun team, fun uh, town to party in and go watch a game and drink beer and stuff like that. And they never, you know, people in St. Louis never thought the Cubs fans took the game seriously. Where in St. Louis, I mean, shoot, I bet 90% of fans are keeping score and everything else. And they are serious fans. I mean, they, I know they, uh, People frown on when they say this, but it's true. And those are the most diehard baseball fans in the country. Well, another great article you put out, USA Today, and talking about former big leaguer uh, David Segui, talking about the whole spider tack and these these now these new glues that they have established means that this is actually what's been going on in baseball with pitchers is worse than the steroid era. I went, wow, that's a big claim. Are you buying that? Well, I, the reason I, I, I buy what he says in the context, as uh, David Sakis said, that, hey, you know, there's so many of us that were using steroids, but there was only one Barry Bonds. Uh, with everybody cheating in, uh, among the pitchers, it's like the, the average strikeout rate was the same as, you know, Nolan Ryan days. So everybody all of a sudden was, you know, was Nolan Ryan or Randy Johnson. Uh, if those guys were using the stuff these guys are using today, they might have been striking out 25 guys again. Yeah, but, I mean, I think the thing we found out from our guy Jose Canseco, which uh, Jose always seems to have some, uh, is, is right in some ways, is that it just wasn't the hitters using steroids. Bob, it was everybody in the game was using steroids. Not everybody, but a lot of people were, both pitchers and hitters. Oh, I agree. I, I think maybe, you know, maybe 50% of baseball. Uh, yeah, pitchers are using it too. You know, more, I think more sluggers or hitters than, than pitchers, but pitchers were guilty as well. Uh, in this case, I, I think it might have been 85 90% of guys using stuff. I mean, it was just way out of control. So when we start looking towards the deadline and we look at the Oakland Athletics, obviously there's going to be a lot of teams looking for arms in the bullpen. Are we going to have more buyers and sellers, or is as this thing starts to get closer to the deadline, we're starting to see more teams drop off? Are there going to be more sellers than we think? I think there'll be more sellers just because, uh, you know, now we're back to the 2019 rules where, you know, you only have the two wild card teams. So a lot of teams will say, you know, hey, you know what, we're not going to make it. Let's sell off. Uh, the one thing to keep in mind, too, is because, you know, all these teams lost money and stuff and people are still kind of crying poor. I think there'll be more activity after July 31st, maybe, or after July 30th in August. Because I think a ton of these guys will clear waivers. So when you think about big-name guys, offensive players, 
Who do you think can be moved? Because there's, you know, all the speculation of oh, this guy could go here, this guy could go there. Some of the guys may not be moved. Out of the big names, who do you think will be moved? Well, I think the Rockies have no choice but to move Trevor Story. Now they're going to make sure they get something better than a, a top draft pick for him because that's what they'll get, you know, by giving him a qualifying offer and and he'll reject it. Uh, so I, I think he's probably the number one guy. If the Nationals fell apart, all of a sudden Kyle Schwarber is very appealing for a lot of teams. Uh, but with the National League East, I'm not sure that happens. You know, I don't think it would be a star-centered group. I, you know, like you said, uh, I think there would be a lot of uh, relievers. Everybody seems like they need relievers. So I, I think those guys could go. You could almost pick any team uh, out of contention in their closers uh, will go. Uh, you know, the top guy out there, if the Cubs uh, completely fall, this would be Craig Kimbrell. He's pitching now as well as he has uh, in a few years. You know, speaking of Schwarber, Cody and I were joking earlier where he's like, oh, my God, look at the run he's on. And I just – the problem, Bob, is whenever we've seen something that's too good to be true, the, the speculation is there. And I'll take it out of baseball. It was like Lance Armstrong. Oh, his heart is bigger. He pumps more blood. I mean, all this kind of stuff. And in the end, you, you realize what I was watching wasn't real. Now, Schwarber has hit 15 home runs in 17 games. The only other guys to do that – are Barry Bonds and Sammy Sosa, 2001, 1998. And we knew what those guys were doing. How do we feel about what Schwarber's doing right now when you're comparing him to Bonds and Sosa, who are clearly using at the time? Well, yeah. I mean, then you're, you start saying, well, this is better than Bonds and Sosa because this guy you know, is clean. But, you know, like you said, Chris, I mean, who, who knows, you know, what's happening? Uh, you know, a lot of these guys are bigger and stronger. I mean, you know, you look at a guy – uh, you know, there's no evidence or even rumors, but even a guy like Otani, you know, what he's doing at the plate in, in the mound, it's like, how's he able to do that? But that's, you know, the fortune and the age that we live in. Sometimes it's just too good, too good to be true. When you watch him, you know, throwing 100 miles an hour and hitting mammoth home runs, and the way this man runs at his size, have you ever seen a better talent in your career than Shohei Otani? Yeah, just such a natural talent. Yeah, I mean, I, cover, I you know, got to cover Bo Jackson when he came up when I was covering the Royals. Uh, you know, he was by far the best athlete I've covered, uh, for sure. And uh, but yeah, I mean, when you look at Otani, I mean, he's you know he's got more power uh, than, than Mike Trout. He's certainly faster than Mike Trout, uh, better outfielder than Mike Trout. We've said forever now that Mike Trout's the best player in baseball. So what he's doing both ways. Uh, is stunning. You know, I think at some point, I'm not sure if he can keep doing, you know, keep doing the pitching-wise. Uh, maybe he needs to make him an everyday outfielder, maybe an everyday center fielder. But right now, I'm at the MVP race, uh, MVP boat. Uh, he may be unanimous. You know what's so funny, Bob, is I was saying that a while ago because we get to see the Angels so much, and the way that they do their pitching staff around him and it can be a six-man staff, and then sometimes they've even pushed him back. I'm like, what's the value of a guy that doesn't take the ball every five days and doesn't give you a lot of innings, and it causes you at times to give him days off, and really his best asset is being in the lineup every single day. Like, what do you do? We thought about maybe you move him to the bullpen. I just all The one thing that I know, and tell me if you agree, if I'm Joe Madden, I'm seeing his main value is hitting every single day. 
Yeah, and I think it will come down to that, Chris. Uh, you know, certainly not this year, maybe not next year, but I think eventually it comes down. You want this guy in the lineup every day, and they've been running him out there. Uh, yeah, well, let's see what happens with his body the second half of the season, whether you know fatigue starts to kick in or not. Obviously, he's still a young guy, but you know, there's a lot of lot of wear and tear. Uh, I I can't say uh, I can't see the reliever part because I don't know how you how you do it. I mean, you can't be in a game and then go to the bullpen and warm still warm up between innings. I, I don't, so I don't know how that would uh, work. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a uh, a fun show. Obviously, you know. We haven't seen a uh, a two way guy like this, you know, since 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 Babe Ruth. You know, all the stories we read about. Uh, you know, Kent Brett was a great, very good uh, offensive hitting pitcher, but you know, the, but to do this and plus with the speed and everything else, and uh, you know, kind of interviewed him a couple of times. He just a very, comes across as a very genuine, nice guy. You know, when I start thinking about Bo Jackson. And knowing what he was as a football player, uh, you know, working for the Raiders, there were like these legendary stories, Bob, about how Al Davis would not tell anybody when the baseball season was over, just this guy would show up for practice in the backfield going up against the number one defense, which was a Super Bowl winning defense. And this guy's running all over them. And they're like, who is this guy? And then they realize, oh, it's Bo Jackson. When you really look at what he could have been as a football player and what he could have been as a baseball player full-time, I don't know if we've ever seen just a pure athlete as good as Bo Jackson. And, and you know, we, we've talked to Mark Gubiza about it. Gooby's like, this guy did things. No, I mean, you got, you got George Brett, one of the greatest players of all time, and George Brett will tell you, this guy did stuff we've never seen before. How good of a baseball player do you think Bo Jackson would have been if he wouldn't have got hurt and never played football? I, mean, I think he would have been, you know, a, a perennial all-star. I'm not sure about a Hall of Famer. Uh, he's, you know, struck out a lot. Uh, had a ton of power, ton of speed. Uh, in the outfield, he would outrun his mistakes. I mean, you know, you've seen those plays where he's running up the wall. I was at that game. You know, he, he misplayed it. Yeah. I was also at the game <laughs> where he threw out Harold Reynolds at home plate. Still the best throw I've ever seen. Flat-footed from that warning track. But just a... Uh, you do wonder how good he, or how great he would have been if he just concentrated on baseball, even his days at Auburn, and then just did that. But you know, just stuff he would do in the clubhouse. See, when he would bet uh, guys ten bucks that can jump over this table, he'd have his bow and arrow out there. Uh, he said the only thing he couldn't do is play basketball. He said he can't dribble, but you know, I think he could have been a uh, you know an all-American gymnast, all-American swimmer, whatever he wanted to do. Well, Bo knows, right? Isn't that what the commercial was? <laughs> Bo could do anything. Let's yeah, it, it, go ahead. Right, yeah, yeah. No, it was such an intriguing guy. And I remember uh, early and when he was in Kansas City, and this is right after Auburn. He had one of the worst stuttering problems you've heard. You know, it was a uh, you know really sad. He went to speech class and stuff. But the reason he always used Bo is because he could never say the word I. So that's how that was always referring to himself as Bo. Because he couldn't say that word without badly stuttering. Wow, but what a career! And too bad we his career ended so soon. Let, let Let's end on this. What's your most surprising good club, and what's your most surprising bad club? Well, certainly right there in the Bay Area with the uh, Giants. Uh, no, nobody saw that coming. I mean, people in spring training thought, well, you know, if they win uh, seventy-five games, it's a good season. So, uh, yeah, they've stunned everybody. Uh, probably the American League would be the Boston Red Sox. You know, no one saw them sitting in first place right now. 
uh, disappointing. I still got to go to Minnesota Twins. I mean, as bad as the Arizona Diamondbacks are, uh, they had the Twins won the last, you know, three uh, division titles, American League Central, and were built to win again. So I don't, I didn't see it. No, nobody saw them just complete, completely collapsing like they have. Well, we always appreciate your time, and you know we're always reading you in the USA Today. Be well, my friend, and let's talk soon. All right, my pleasure. Thank you, Chris. Well, we'd like to thank Dallas Braden, Shooty Babbitt, Mike Farron, and Bob Nightingale. Now back to A's Cast, powered by iHeartRadio. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 